Hello and welcome to the Pinnacle Podcast, brought to you by Pinnacle.com, the online bookmaker that offers you the best odds, the highest limits and a unique winner's welcome policy. I'm your host Ben Cronin and today's episode is all about soccer analytics. Joining me is Mark Taylor. For those that don't know you Mark, can you just introduce yourself? Um, hi, hi Ben, uh, as you say, uh, my name's Mark, Mark Taylor. Um, I, I work as a consultant uh, w- within the betting industry for a, a company that provides um, expected goals data and uh, ad- advanced metrics in, in, in football. Uh, they also do other sports, but I'm, I'm concerned mainly with the football. And uh, we, we make a, a variety of statistical models, uh, primarily looking at uh, descriptive uh, features, high you know how how players performed previous Saturday, how teams performed, and um, we we also try and make them predictive in the, how how they're going to perform. You know, in, in the upcoming games and the upcoming remainder of the season. I'm sure you've got you've got kind of like a a fairly wide Twitter following. You're kind of you're well known within the the soccer analytics community, and as you said, you're you're doing some great work. Um, been involved with soccer analytics. So just to kind of take a step back, I guess is how did you. How did you get into to soccer analytics? Um, well, uh, basically, it's it's, uh, it's the explosion of the internet, where you know you are, you know, you can you can blog your thoughts, you can uh, interact with uh, you know people that you you don't necessarily meet and you know possibly won't ever meet. Uh, we've got similar ideas, um, and it, it probably all started in the early two thousands. You know, on 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 gambling sites, there weren't particularly any football analytics sites around at the time. Uh, but there are a lot of gambling sites. You know, people would you know uh, post up you know their, their accumulators for the weekend. You know, back Liverpool, Man United, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there were also people on there who you know wanted to sort of delve a little bit deeper. I mean, I mean Joe, who you know is a regular on Pinnacle, um, runs the FootballData.co.uk website. He 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 was a regular on on these betting forums, and uh, it was just like-minded people writing things, you know, getting together, collaborating, exchanging ideas. But uh, that led to people being noticed, uh, that you know, them being noticed from you know by people you know within the industry, who, you know, then reached out, and um, a lot of people who started off as bloggers are now you know employed you know gainfully in you know either within football clubs or within you know gambling-based industries. Yeah, and I mean people that are kind of are interested in that and maybe from from the outside looking in someone that's not involved to to the degree that someone like yourself might be now so people might be put off and it's kind of old you have to be a a maths whiz or do you need to know like coding or or programming languages and stuff like that so so what do you kind of think is what skills are required to to analyze data properly and, and and get the best use of it do you think I mean, I mean, all those things that you, you you have mentioned are, you know, not essential. But you know, if you're working with an, in a team, it does help if you have someone who's uh, skilled in data, uh, database management. You know, it's always easier if somebody can, uh, if uh, someone else can, you know, pull the data up for you, and you've got everything you need there. Uh, then skills like model building. I mean, I mean, Excel is a great place to start. You know, there's other, you know, language like, you know, R, where you, where you can, you know, uh, you can automate uh, the process of model building. A little bit of statistics also. You know, you you want to validate your conclusions and uh, you want to make sure that the thing you think you found, you know, has, has not just arisen by chance. So, you know, stats, uh, causation and correlation. If you understand the difference between that. Um, visualization it, it's it's no good having a great idea if, if people don't find it accessible so you know being being able to you know vis, you know they say you know a picture paints a thousand words or 
500 words or 800 words. So if, if, you, if you can get your idea across in, in visualizations, you know, that also helps. And, and content writing, putting, putting your ideas over, you know, I mean, all of, all of these things were, weren't essential, but, you know, they certainly made blogging about, uh, about football in the early days a, a, a lot easier and a lot more rewarding. And this, the, the blogging you're doing, it's the, it's the power of goals, isn't it, your blog? Uh, the Paragos does still uh, exist for for, for for content that that doesn't fit into the to the company I work for. It can maybe be a little bit more sort of um, numbers based and and not you know not not quite as accessible accessible for the you know the, the general reading audience that you know we perhaps aim at. So yeah, I I, I do keep it going for to to, to float ideas and, um, and and get feedback. So where did the I mean you said like the, the blog there was kind of like the start of your involvement with soccer analytics or at least kind of you putting your thoughts down. So what was your your, your career before that? Was it were you involved in kind of data and, and things like that? Um I I, I was a presume you, you you know you could say I was involved in data and I, I, I ran a laboratory so you know you, you were dealing with numbers on a daily basis and you were you know validating you know regression methods and, and stuff like that so it, it, it was numbers based um, I've, I've also uh, you know taken a degree in chemistry so although uh, I, it, it appears a degree in nuclear phys- uh, physics or phys- uh, physics is, is is the prerequisite nowadays um, so uh, yeah I've, I've certainly certainly number based education anyway Right, I mean, thanks. I think that's kind of a, a great place to start is for us for us to kind of get an idea of, of you and your journey and kind of the insight you can you can share. Um, as we'll find out a little bit later, I mean, that the use of data in mod- modern soccer is kind of way beyond what it was even just a few years ago. So before we get to that advanced point, let's kind of look back at, at how data has evolved in soccer. So. I'd be interested to know, in your view, where do you see like the the birth of data in soccer? I, I mean, you can go back as far as you like, but I mean, probably the father of, uh, of football data collection was was, was Charles Reap in the in the nineteen fifties, uh, uh, forever associated with the long ball game and uh, often maligned, often unfairly for for um, for, his, for for the fact he advocated the long ball as as, as the best way of scoring goals. Um, the the uh, the problem he had that um, the uh, 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 he 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 decided that long balls uh, uh, small numbers of passes was the most efficient way of scoring, but it was also the most frequent way that teams tried to score. So he he, he didn't put it into context. Um, but uh, he, he was certainly ahead of his time. He, he 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 you know he started the idea of collecting data, and then then in the mid nineties, Opta turned up. They started collecting location data, uh, you know, much more detailed and granular data, which uh, which enabled people, to, you know, to build uh, ever more sophisticated models. And uh, Opta was probably the the start of the modern day, um, you know, um, uh, branch of football analytics. Yeah, I mean Charles Reap, as you said, some people kind of. There's he, some major pitfalls in his work, but I mean it was very revolutionary. And as you said, it signed of it really started to to get the ball rolling. If you'll excuse the pun. Yeah, I mean it's seventy years ago. <laughs> you know, it's frightening to add up 
the dates, <laughs> 1950s, you know. But um, yeah, I, I mean, pe people say that possession football, you know, they say these long ball game was, you know, outdated. Possession football was the way to go. But teams have to have the, you know, the players, the the inclination, the quality of passes, the quality of receivers, the, the coaching, you know, ideals to uh, to actually you know, pull that off. So it, it, there is no one fit all for, for football. And I mean, it's you could say that it's kind of seventy years ago, but it's strange now to think that those those uh, data sets that that Charles Reed was collecting, like shots, passes, and things like that, that they're still kind of the the data that in mainstream kind of websites or programs you'll often see people referencing shots, passes, possessions, things like a corners, things like that. But it's there's nothing wrong with that data, but just for kind of the people listening, why do you think that that data isn't as formative as people might think? Well, 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 it is. It is counting just just counting data, and it it, it is. It, it depends on the style that the team's playing. If you know, if you're a high possession team like you know Barca, you're going to have different numbers to a low possession team like Leicester. Um, uh, when you know when when they won the title, I mean. To, uh, you know, pundits were saying, you know, possession in football is the way to go, and then Leicester came along and won it with hardly any possession. So it it, it, it does define style more than you know intent. You don't know what the intent is with with possession. You don't know whether you're trying to you know be defensive by possessing the ball so teams can't score against you, or you know trying to score yourself, you know by you know possessing the ball high up the pitch and you know and and, and creating threats. Um, also, a lot of it is is, is context driven. Um, you know, uh, game state by by which I mean, you know, the, the current score, the abilities of the teams, and the time remaining, does define how how teams will react. You know, I mean, if 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 you're drawing drawing with Manchester City, say, you know, with ten minutes to go, you you can bet that Manchester City will be trying to you know trying to be uh, whereas. Um, and and then you know the 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 attacking metrics will build up. No, and they'll they'll you know they'll get more corners you know they'll get more possessions you know in uh, higher up the, the pitch and that is just driven by you know the 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 state of the game so so all of these counting stats uh, they um then they're not um they're, they're, they're qualitative they're not quantitative and uh, they have to be put in context yeah i think the word context there i feel like throughout this this podcast is going to be an underlying theme and that word will kind of pop up quite a few times because it is it's very important when dealing with data isn't it oh yes yeah 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 definitely you know i mean teams teams try to do different things at different stages of the game depending on how happy they are with you know with the current scoreline and obviously their underlying abilities you know to to affect these changes or you know or the other team to prevent them from you know being able to so i mean the, the majority of the listeners here will likely be people that are that are interested in betting, um, which is obviously one of the, the potential use cases for data in soccer. So if we could just go through, before we get into like the nuts and bolts of, of data and things like that, what, what do you see as the, the benefits of using data in soccer? Um, well, I mean, the benefits, you know, full stop for using data in soccer is that you can get a much larger sample base. You can, you can look at the process that teams are trying to do, even if... Um, even if you know it's not actually coming off in in the short term, if if you 
continue to create good opportunities and prevent the opposition from creating good opportunities against you, even if you're not particularly reaping the rewards, you know, in 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 the mo, you know, in 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 the moment, or or even if you're, you know, if if you if you're scoring every time you take a shot at goal, we know that extreme, you know, events away from away from the average don't tend to persist. They do tend to become less extreme in you know in in the future. So it's 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 a it's a good way of getting a handle on. On the underlying talents of the, of the teams and, and the players that, that isn't clouded by you know the immediate recency bias of, of their actual you know score lines and results. Obviously those those benefits then kind of drive people to, to try and do more with data and they push the advancement and, and stuff like that. So where do you kind of see the, we've talked about like the birth the birth of data in soccer, where do you see like the big steps or the big milestones that we've seen in modern data analysis that we're more familiar with today? Um, well, expected goals is obviously the uh, the main, uh, it, it's, it's the most uh, high profile of, of the so-called uh, advanced analytics metrics that uh, that exists in in football uh, it's possibly not the best name um it, uh, it it's just a measure of chance quality um uh, for, uh, advanced analytics in, in in many sports don't have a great track record for the for, for the, the the way they name uh, their metrics and uh, it perhaps would have been a, a more intuitive uh, if, if it had been called chance quality. But basically, that just looks at the, at the, at the process of, uh, of attempting to score a goal, um, uses parameters that were present, you know, when the shot was taken or the header was taken, and looks back at a, at a historic um, historical uh, body of, of shots from similar positions to see their outcomes, and, and then you compare it with uh, with the chances that teams are creating. You know, you know, in in their most recent games, and uh, it, it as, as I say, it's a measure of their underlying quality. I mean, that's something that it's kind of it's constantly evolving. Models are getting more complex, and if we kind of put a date in time, we're talking a decade ago for the benefit of those listening. When when do you see that that first? Use case of expected goals. Um, I, I I would guess around about two thousand. I mean, the, it, it, it's a shame that there's, there's not a history been written of uh, you know people's involvement. Although people are trying to collate you know articles, you know the, the web never forgets. So that they are out there and people are collating uh, significant articles, uh, you know, for Wikipedia pages, wiki pages to uh, you know to, to so that people can go back and look at these. Um, it, it, it's 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 also useful, you know, if you, if you think something hasn't been done, you know, you can look back and see if you know if something similar, or you know, or or, or to help you if you want to, you know, get get started in in looking at these things. Uh, I mean, there was a there was a, a a form of analytics, you know, prior to you know all these shot locations that Opta were collecting, but you know, people were simply working in you know in in, in the currency of goals and using. Um, Using using the pass on uh, distribution as a way of working out the the likelihood that the team would score exactly no goals, one goal, two goals, three goals. If you can do that for teams, you can then work out the chance that the game will finish nil nil, one nil. You can add up all the score lines that give victory to one side, victory to another, or a draw, and then you can start predicting match outcomes. You know, simply by using goals, but. As, as we say, uh, goals. You know they're they're rare events in football, and um, if if you if you look at the expected goals, it perhaps gives you a, a better insight into the underlying scoring potential in the future. 
it, it, it just it, it just looks at the signal uh, and tries to tries to eliminate some of the noise. Yeah, so I mean, if I think if we're so if we move on to kind of uh, actual analytics that now people are using, you've kind of touched upon expected goals. I think that's that's really the perfect place to start. It's you've given us a kind of brief overview of of how it works, but it's just people out there will say goals are what matters. It's the scoreline that matters. So, f- so for those kind of doubters out there, why why is um, expected goals better than than shots or actual goals? Um, again, there's a there's a problem with the language. It's um, if, if team if, if you say a team's lucky, you know it, it, it you know sort of implies that they don't deserve that. But I mean, if if, if you flip a coin, you you can quite easily get four or five runs of heads uh, four or five runs of tails um, but that doesn't change the underlying probability that heads will turn up 50% of the time and in the long run you know this run won't matter and uh, the uh, probability will t- tend towards uh, 50% so by, by looking at the underlying process you can you can you can find teams that may have been may have been it's not always luck but a lot of the time it's you're just seeing random patterns that, that won't repeat it, it's like uh, uh, teams, teams that are home specialists. You, you will always get a run of teams who have appeared to perform particularly well at home, but it, it doesn't tend to, uh, to 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 exist into the future. It's it's just a random pattern that's that's, that's appeared by chance, and and that can also happen with you know with goals. You, uh, we had the case of Newcastle about six seven years ago when uh, they were winning lots of games one nil. Uh, I think I think they got 65 points and they probably deserve 56. But just because how the distribution of goals appeared in their games, you know, they they, they probably got a few more points than they deserved. And the next season, you know, it, it, they, they they didn't kick on. They you know they regressed uh, to to a you know to a, a more realistic level given the the uh, the quality of the chances they were they were they were creating. Uh, similarly with Reading, they almost got promoted. But they had terrible underlying stats. Their expected goals suggested they were a, a lower half of the championship per side. And uh, although they they very nearly got promoted to the Premier League the next season, they were spending they spent most of the year trying to avoid the drop. And and again this year, they're they're currently just just either just outside or just inside the bottom three. So by looking at the underlying stats, you you get a better feel for what might happen, and you're not a hostage to you know short term luck that teams may or may not have experienced. And then I mean, so there's expected goals, and and correct me if I'm wrong here. We're kind of when we're we're looking at the the birth of expected goals we're primarily talking about like using shot location um and as you said before kind of the part of the body that's that's used to take the shot how has or what's now being fed into models and how are how are models kind of becoming more advanced it 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 depends what you what your intention is 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 to use the model for you can um, you know you can collect every little piece of data about you know a, a shot and you will probably improve the way you predict what happened in the past but if if you if you're trying to project what what will happen in the future it's possibly not the best route to go because you can have loads and loads of, uh, of variables added in that will perfectly predict the past but will overfit on what happened previously and that, that may not generalize into the future so although you know any any bit of data is always welcome to be you know is welcome if people are collecting it it's probably not 
a good idea to have too many parameters in a new expected goals model if you're going to use it to try and predict how teams will perform in the future. And then, so again, I don't want to kind of the the risk of using the terminology that might kind of frustrate people of expected goals but there is there's there's other metrics that kind of follow a similar pattern and and one you've kind of written about quite a lot is is non-shot xg it it was a very open community at the start because people you know it was a hobby for many people and it's now become a business for a lot which is you know obviously then you know people are slightly less uh, slightly more reluctant to, to to share their ideas but I, I think it's it's an open secret that people are trying to develop non-shot models and i'm sure clubs certainly have non-shot models in which um you you take the location on the pitch and the the, the chance of you scoring from that location so if, if you've got the ball on the edge of your own penalty area, there's probably a small chance you, you can turn that possession into a goal uh if, if you if you win possession much higher up the pitch say on the edge of the box you know, there is a obviously a much greater chance that that possession will turn into a goal. So people have started mapping the pitch to, again, using historical data to see, you know, the chances that a possession at a certain position on the pitch will turn into a goal. And and this this has the added benefit that expected goals, it, it tends to revolve around the strikers because they take most of the shots, headers, and and all the goalkeepers who obviously are the ones who tend to be the ones trying to save them. So it, it, it isn't inclusive for, for, for all members of the team. It, it's also a very small percentage of the, of the actions that do occur on a football pitch. You know, uh, shots probably 20, 30 occur in a game, whereas, you know, other events you're into the thousands, you know, easily. So it, it is a way of using 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 all the data and it is a, a way of including, say, defensive midfielders who wouldn't get the credit because they don't take a lot of shots and they maybe don't even create a lot of assists, but, you know, they are integral in, in perhaps, you know, creating possessions that, uh, that progress the ball, you know, pitch. So um, that's, that, that, is, that is something that is being, is being looked at. So again, it's kind of interesting that you say that. I mean, people see expected goals as a as a team metric. You often get like the shot maps or the the post match analysis focuses on a, a cumulative team expected goals. But as you rightly said, it's almost dependent on the person that is going to be taking the majority of those chances. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if um, if if you try and if if you want to, you know, play a you know a, a team of the team of the week, say, you know. In, in true Garth Crooks uh, tradition, you would be picking all centre forwards because uh, you know they have most of the shots. But um, it, it it does try, uh, a non-shot approach does highlight the, uh, the the defensive contribution made by defenders and also, as I say, the uh, the unseen, if if you like, contribution made by players who who you know are far away from the penalty area at either end. And then another way to kind of to do that and take things away if we say XG is kind of dependent on the strikers you've also got expected assists which again then brings into play the the creative midfielders and those that are are creating the chances that are, are gauged by XG yeah yeah I mean you you, you can create at the front end you can create a lot of um, a, a, a lot of metrics that that, that are Informative in that you know you you will as you say pick out the playmakers and you will also pick out the you know the makers and takers. Uh, going back to visualization, I I did a, did a quick vis a couple of years ago where you plotted uh, the 
expected goals at one axis and, and along the horizontal axis, the expected assists. So you group the players who are the you know the best at creating assists and group the players at the, at the other end of the uh, of the plot who were the best at, 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 at you know at, at taking them. So that was a good way of you know defining the attacking uh, prowess that, that that a team possessed. But, but as you say, there's, there's 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 quite a few other metrics that have tried to um, uh, try, you know try to look at possession chains. Um, I I don't think any particularly you know uh, are suitable for the job other than looking at a, a, a non-shot based uh, approach, which I say you know is is probably is almost certainly the next step. So if we say kind of XG is it's there, it's just developing, and and similarly with um, expected assists, it's kind of it's the natural. It holds hands. It holds hands with um, expected goals, and as you said, non-shot XG. There's a little bit of work to be done, but obviously things are already underway there. What what other metrics out there do you think that people need to be aware of? Um, uh, the, the probably the most obvious one is uh, is it's it's called XG two, which again is uh, self-explanatory. Not it uh, it it looks at the, uh, the the shot from the goalkeeper's perspective. It was developed probably about five or six years ago, and uh, it looks at what happens after after the shot's taken. So it, it takes location into account. How you know whether it was a kick, whether it was a header. Uh, but it also takes what happens after the after the ball leaves the boot or the head, uh, whether you know whether it's a it's well hit shot, whether it's you know got swerve, whether it's got dip, whether it's a powerful shot, whether it's deflected, which you know it makes it sometimes virtually impossible for a goalkeeper to save. And um, if 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 you're a goalkeeper and you face four or five deflected shots that have gone in, and uh, if you just look at the location. Uh, not, and not the the, the post shot uh, parameters. You you would perhaps say they weren't a very good goalkeeper. But if you looked at the film, if you looked at the video, and if you looked at the fact there was a deflection, you might say see that what the goal is diving one way and the ball's deflected the other, and it's virtually impossible to save. So it it looks at uh, how many goals above or below were uh, an XG2 model a a keeper would be expected to save uh, based on these post shot uh, post shot parameters, and you can. Um, you can probably guess that uh, David De Gea uh, consistently overperforms uh, this, and that he saves a lot more shots than uh, than you would expect based on the location and the power of the shots, all of which opt to collect uh, until the World Cup and uh, the start of this season when he had a, a massive correction and uh, was was part of the reason why Man United uh, was struggling so much. Uh, to uh, to maintain their traditional fourth place spot, but David De Gea has been most uh, the most consistent keeper under 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 this metric over the last four uh, three or four years. I mean, certainly it seems now that we're kind of at a point. If we just the the four kind of things we've just touched upon there, you can literally go from the the back of the pitch to the front and get insight right across the board. So you've got XG2 for the goalkeeper, non-shot XG for those who win possessions in uh, at defence and cent- central defensive midfield and then the creative midfielders have got expected assists and then the forwards you're looking at expected goals so it's it seems like we're at a point now where right across the football pitch it's data is just providing insight at every level yeah i mean it's 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 obviously used in you know it, it's it's it, you can use use it to see how good players are so you can use it for recruitment you can see who you know has a high um, creative uh, input relative to the team he's playing. I mean, perhaps you know he doesn't perhaps do his fair share of defensive work, 
and you can take that on board when you're looking at whether you know whether they're you know a decent purchase or not. Because if you, if you say, well, if we try and improve his defensive contribution, it may take away from the you know the 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 work he does higher up the pitch. If you've got players who you know just hang around on the halfway line, goal hanging if you like, and don't do any defensive work. They'll obviously have extremely good. Um, I'm, I'm not thinking of any particular free transfers from Stoke at the moment, but uh, they, they'll obviously have very good uh, high uh, uh, offensive input. But if you try and make them do some defensive work, that might take away from the, you know, the the, the, the attacking stuff that they do as well, because they won't be in the same positions that they recorded the uh, the initial impressive uh, metrics uh, to start with. So if we kind of, I know that we're not going to get into the realms of how complex these kind of things get with with professional football team um, recruitment um, policies and things like that. But if if let's pretend we're a scout and you kind of use the term overperformance there with with David De Gea, and is that is that basically what we're saying? Is if someone outperforms these metrics, it then gives us an indication that they may well be an elite player in in certain aspects of their game. It, it it gives you the impression that they are both good and perhaps lucky, which uh, m- the majority of players do regress towards, you know, a more uh, a, a less extreme, you know, version. So players aren't quite as good as you think, or as bad as you know they appear at times. Um, it's uh, f- uh, from a chance creation uh, perspective. Uh, the, the the skill is 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 quite a lot getting into the position to you know to take the shot to take the you know the opportunity that's presented to you, and uh, there is there is work going on to try and isolate you know the the skill factor because obviously you know you'd, you'd rather have Messi through one on one than the central defender playing for a championship side one on one. So there is skill differentials that exist in finishing, but they 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 are quite difficult to pin down. Um, and if, if if you see a player outperforming their metric or underperforming their metric, it's probably a good idea to assume that they will move towards the towards the mean rather than uh, continue you know continue performing either very badly or very poorly. Uh, we when when we were we, we were discussing the start of the season and deciding where we were going to put Man United, I argued that you know they they probably finished fourth again forget it, and uh, my colleague decided that De Gea had overperformed far too many seasons and that he'd, he'd put them to finish outside the top four. Uh, he was proved to be correct in the first half of the season, but then Solskjaer came along and, for whatever reason, he's uh, he's kick-start Man United into a run of wins. So it, it, it's it's a little bit of science and a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of anything, really. You know, it, it's it's part alchemy, part science. And I guess people there will be asking, you say De Gea's kind of outperformed by or for over a couple of seasons it's like where do you then begin to draw the line when it comes to regression it's how how many seasons does someone have to outperform before we can actually say they're elite or is it just we may well never know um, I mean, there's there's a lot of other factors that go into it. I mean, injuries injuries can impact on how, on how a player performs. You know, either, you know, you know, when they come back, they might not be the same player. You know, it depends on the seriousness of the injury. Aging is an obvious, you know, factor that is rarely talked about. Um, players uh, tend to reach the peak around about 28, and after that, you know, unless you're Lionel Messi or you know Ronaldo, you 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 tend to. Um, uh, your, your performance tends to level off and then start to decline compared to your own high standards. And um, so, you know, uh, 
different positions have different aging profiles. Goalkeepers do tend to, you know, perform, you know, well into their thirties, you know, at a similar level to to how they perform at their peak. Um, it, it depends on the demands of the position. You know, you tend to lose your speed. You know, you tend to um, maybe move into a different position, have different, you know, responsibilities. Like uh, Stephen Gerrard, you know, wasn't a box to box. Uh, midfielder you know towards the end of his career if he ever was and uh, he was more of a you know quarterback if you like uh, you know pinging passes and occasionally slipping over so players roles change and uh, you, you have to take lots of aspects in, into account before you uh, before before you begin to make a, an overall judgment yeah and i think it's it's also important to to mention here that the the term per 90 is is especially relevant for younger players who may not be getting a lot of game time because that can then obviously if you're looking at um accumulative figures sometimes that can be skewed when you're not actually looking looking at it through the lens of how much they've actually played yeah i mean per 90 does help but i mean if if you're looking at very small sample sizes you know on their own anyway they do tend to throw up extremes you know um Small sample size, you can be either very bad or very good, and the truth is probably, you know, near in between, and you you need to try and build up more sample size, and certainly small samples. Um, whereas per ninety does help; it, they should always be treated with caution. Right, I think we've done kind of a we've done a great job of kind of covering those bases with with more advanced metrics and it's obviously been shone in a very positive light so far so just be kind of interested to get your insight into perhaps where do these metrics fall down or what do people need to be aware of when they're using them um it's uh, yeah it's um once you, once you start dealing with numbers, you tend to start dealing with certainty. And in fact, you know, you're in an area where uncertainty is is is, is certainly you know a major factor. Um, I'm I'm just looking at our projection for uh, the uh, the end of the uh, the end of the Premier League, and we've got Wolves at a 58% chance of finishing seventh. So you could say Wolves will finish seventh. Um, there's about a 5% chance they'll finish in the top six. There's about a 2% chance they'll finish in the bottom uh, 11th or, or lower. So you can't make definitive statements. You can only talk in distributions and probabilities and likelihoods. And uh, because numbers are involved, people do tend to, to talk in certainties. This will happen. This will won't happen. And you, you should always think in terms of distributions, I, I think. And, and that is prob- how, how, you know, how the metrics are presented is more the problem than the metrics themselves. So now let's kind of let's let's move on and let's let's put this into practice. Um, we can obviously use, I think the, the easiest example to use would be the, the current Premier League season. And you've you've just touched upon Wolves there. So what what have these metrics told us so far about the season? Well, when 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 Wolves were uh, promoted, they were they had the best Championship metrics that I've seen since I've been collecting them. They were head and shoulders the best Championship side to come up from uh, as, as champions. You know, since since I've been recording data. Um, to, to try and put it into perspective, Leeds, who were currently top, they their performance has only touched what Wolves averaged over the whole season for a couple of weeks. So that that's how good Wolves were when when they came up. Um, 
as I say, we can use simulations, uh, we can use expected goals to predict how many goals teams will score against other teams when they meet and where they meet in the upcoming games of the season. So, say, you know, we've, we've got 100 games left or whatever, we can simulate all of those 100 games, we can then add the range of points that we get from those 100 simulations onto the points that the teams actually already have, and we can predict a range of uh, a range of uh, finishing positions for teams so we can look at you know how likely sides are to go down how likely they are to finish in the top four how likely they are to finish uh, mid-table the, the, the only there's only two teams at the moment that uh, haven't got a chance of finishing the top six and haven't got a chance of getting relegated and that's Everton and you'll be pleased to know West Ham <laughs> so you've got nothing whatsoever to play for this season <laughs> in the remaining games which is always a nice position to be for a team if you're, if you're not one of the big six people listening to this uh, they're going to be kind of grateful for the insights shared on on kind of where data's come from in soccer how it's advanced and how it's kind of used and what they're really going to be after is they want to know how can I use it now what can I do so if we kind of look at are, you, are we talking about out, outright markets this season or are we thinking thinking ahead and looking at data now to utilise it for next season? Yeah, probably for the remainder of the season as that is the only spreadsheet I've got up at the moment. <laughs> Would be a good idea. <laughs> um, at, at the moment, the, the title race is obviously the one that's engaging most people. It's, it's quite nice to have a, a competitive title race. Um, Manchester City are were the best team at the start of the season. Uh, they remain the best team. Um, Liverpool were clearly the second best team. Uh, we we suggested that a straight forecast of Man City and Liverpool would be the uh, was was the best bet. And uh, at the moment, we have got we can't really split them. Liverpool and Man City to win the title is a 50-50 uh, coin toss. Yeah, I think everyone's everyone's there or thereabouts, aren't they? I think even yeah, I I, I think Man City possibly because they they've done it before and possibly you know uh, raw memories that Liverpool supporters particularly may have of uh, of not winning the title when they were in a good position, of uh, tipped the market slightly towards Man City, but I've, I've not seen you know worse than sixty forty. So it it it's still very much a two horse race. Uh, Tottenham, you know, although they are numerically. Uh, uh, Points-wise, they're they're not that far off it. They 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 we give them barely a one percent chance of lifting the title. That's because, firstly, they're they're not as good as Man City on on the underlying XG figures. They're not as good as Liverpool on the underlying XG figures, and there are two. T- so there's therefore there's two teams above them that are much better than them and currently have more points. So trying to catch one, you know, you know, they they would have had a chance. Trying to catch both, you know, is uh, we we see it as a you know. A very unlikely occurrence, about one in a hundred. And then, kind of outside of the one potential, I guess, area for people that that could look at finding value or when they're betting is, do you kind of use um, transfer information? So, is it worth kind of, I guess, it's cross cross domestic leagues, so it might be difficult. But if one player was to come from, say, La Liga into the Premier League, is that the data? Is it kind of universal? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, if 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 you're coming from from one of the big leagues into another big league, that you know, it is there, there there have been enough transfers between the leagues that you can you know work out a conversion factor for how team how to players particularly will perform. You know, if if they move from one league to another, uh, the obvious uh, and another one is you know 
ex-Premier League players moving to the MLS or or, um, or or to China, you know, they're obviously going to perform at much higher levels than uh, you know than they were performing in the twilight of their career in uh, in um, uh, in, in in a top league. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, you know, we we you know we do we do. If, if non-shot um, models is, is, you know, the way, you know, to, you know, the next step after XG, and XG is not, not, you know, in itself, a, you know, a, a poor model. It, it, it's an excellent model that, you know, gives you great insights. Uh, how, you know, our player rotations and different lineups affect uh, affect results, you know, is, is also another area that is ripe for for investigation. I'm kind of glad you brought that up because I was actually just about to ask you that. Um, looking forward, where do you kind of see the the future of soccer analytics going? Um, I mean, I mean, tracking data is available, so you've got off the ball movement, which add, adds even more, you know, information to to the models, and it also adds also lots of context to you know to uh, to how how. Uh, defensive shapes are disrupted. It's not just on the ball data that, that is important. It's also off the ball data. So you know that that is obviously perhaps not one for the hobbyist, but it's it's it certainly requires a, you know a, a, a lot of you know database skills and you know, processing skills to be able to use that. So so that's the future. And also how as I, as I touched on how how team lineups affect. Um, uh, affect uh, likelihoods of teams playing how you know which players play well together um we've looked at passing models but i mean to pass the board you've also got to have someone to receive it so you know just just the you know the basic trying to model passing it's 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 a two-way affair between two players and it's also you know where the, the defenders are in relation to them where where they are on the pitch what uh, what the state of the game is so you know if um if, if if a team's you know probably leading and they're, they're trying a difficult pass into the opposing half, there's probably a bit more space because the other team's pushed up and uh, aren't marking as tightly as if if the other team's defending a you know defending a, a lead or a, or a or a, an important point. So context is everything, and uh, every model you look at, you start to realise that um, you know mere location is is not uh, not the be all and end all, although it's always the starting point. I think the word you use there, hobbyist, could it's it's probably very important for those that are listening here. I mean, it's great if you work for a club or you've got access to to endless amounts of data to help with this kind of predictive modelling. But it's so let's kind of I'm an individual. Um, I want to kind of I want to get into to everything we've discussed today. Where where do I begin? Where do I start with data and stuff like that? I mean, uh, there, there are data companies who occasionally allow, uh, you know, some of their data sets to be uh, to be available. Uh, Manchester City did a very good initiative uh, about five, five, six years ago in, in conjunction with Opta. Unfortunately, that, uh, that 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 discontinued where they released uh, data, you know, in, in, in granular form for, for, for one whole season for every team, not just Man City. Um, if if you want a very good data resource site, then I'm sure I'm sure he'll thank me for this. Joe, uh, Joe uh, That that does list shots, and that was an absolute godsend 10, 15 years ago. Because as I say, we were just working with goals, and then Joe came along and provided everybody with shots. So you can 
you can do a lot of things with goals. You can do a lot of things with shots as well. You can look at conversion rates. You can see teams that are maybe outperforming conversion rates. You can decide maybe by watching them whether that's a sustainable, uh, you know, sustainable by the way they play uh, or whether you know they're, they're just riding their luck and you can perhaps uh, suggest that they may not be as, as effective in the future all, all of this just just to be, uh, using uh, joe's excellent excel uh, um shot uh, 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 shot uh, maps and um uh, resources so get along to footballdata.co and, and download that to get started they are a good shout out for Joseph there. Yeah. <laughs> he always turns up even even if he's not on. <laughs> well, Mark, I mean, it, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, but unfortunately, I think we've kind of run out of time today. Um, I'm I'm sure our listeners will be thankful for all the wonderful insight you've had to share. Um, so I just want to say thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. If anyone listening would like to to learn more about what we've discussed in today's podcast, then if you head to Pinnacles Betting Resources, you'll find numerous articles on soccer analytics and much more. Um, If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to Mark on Twitter or at Pinnacle Sports and we'll try and get them answered for you. But thanks for listening and bye for now.